This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. Hello, I'm Julian Warwicker and thank you for downloading BBC Radio Any Answers, the sister programme to Any Questions. Hello, good afternoon. Welcome to Any Answers. Three main questions for you to consider this afternoon. A flexible 12-month Brexit extension. Is the EU hoping that the Brexit question will go back to the people? That was the first question considered by Jonathan's guests. It's against the backdrop of talks between government and opposition over the last few days. That letter from the Prime Minister requesting a further short extension to Article 50, taking us to the end of June. And then, as was referred to in that question, this uh, reported proposal by Donald Tusk, a flextension, as it's been known, which might last as long as a year, but might have some sort of opt-out element to it. So plenty for you to consider on the subject of Brexit. That's where most of you are going with your calls and comments so far. There's also airport expansion. The question posed, proposed in Bristol and elsewhere, that's where airport expansion may happen. What are your views given the need to reduce carbon emissions by, at the latest, 2030? That was the second main question of the programme. The third one, should we apply moral judgments in international trade Given Brunei's decision on LGBTQ plus and adultery, does the panel think the UK government should stop trading with Brunei? 03700 100 444, that's the phone number. Any.answers at bbc.co.uk will find us via email. You can tweet using the hashtag BBCAQ. As I hinted, Brexit seems to be uppermost in your minds. Let's go to Susan Harcourt in Reading to kick us off. Susan, good afternoon. Hello, Julian. Hello. What's your take on it all just Uh, now? My take on it is that um, when I was doing my degree, one of the things that were really um, pressed home, one of the points is that you do not draw your conclusions um, until you've examined all of the evidence very carefully and you know that the information you have is reliable. Now, I note that from the Prime Minister down to friends and relations are all talking about delivering... Um, the referendum results, I am going back to the point that that those results were actually based on information which was possibly misrepresented, certainly unclear, and based on really very complex issues. Possibly misrepresented on both sides? Would you acknowledge that? Well, just any member of the public you find is more than likely to disagree with somebody just two steps behind them. So that suggests that we're possibly at best hearing what we want to hear and making our decisions on what we want to hear. So my point is that Donald Tusk has offered us an extension. It's giving us time to do something that we really critically need to do, and that is gain um, information that is reliable. I would like to see a panel of experts appointed Mm -hmm. um, who would, following the EU um, elections, who would consider all the issues, all the consequences, unravel it for us, members of the public, um, who find it so complicated. Right. I'm going I'm to pick that apart a little bit because it's an intriguing mm. thought. But you know exactly what people are going to say who are doubtful about this. Who yeah. appoints your panel of experts and how do you know that they are reliable? Well, I, I can only say to you that if you or I were to have an, uh, uh, to be faced with an extremely serious illness 
um, and we would go to a specialist. We would think very carefully about the advice we were given. I'd take you back, for example, to the Iraq issue. There has been an enormous justified outcry about the terrible consequences of that war, as there always is in any war. Mm. One has to think very carefully, and there are people out there. There are economists, politicians, um, environmentalists, um, you know, people in security, all of these people who are experts in their field, right. and they are used to unravelling complex okay. issues. OK, so let, let's say, for sake of argument, we get to the end of the discussions of your panel of experts. Yes. Then what happens? Well, then they actually take their findings, their conclusions, and they explain those um, to the executive, to our government, to our parliament, to the UK population, and we find ourselves in a far better position than the one that we're right, in Right, but now. do we have another referendum at that point? Is that where well, you're heading? I think, unfortunately or fortunately, however you look at it, um, one would have to go back with those facts, okay. not to a population who is misled or confused, right. but a population who this time is educated. Right, I've let you kick us off. Uh, thank you for doing it, Susan. We'll follow in Devon in Dawlish. Uh, how do you respond to that? Good afternoon. Well, I would remind the previous caller that we live... Uh, in a democracy, and I think the Leave vote was as valid as it could possibly be in the last referendum for this reason. Mm. During the long referendum campaign we had in 2016, the uh, daily, the great and the good were warning us of dire consequences of what would happen if the country voted leave, and yet in spite of all that propaganda, the the majority still voted leave, and it was a majority that if it was levelled out through all the constituencies in the country, it would mean a majority in each constituency of about 1,100 votes. But if there were warnings about how complicated... It wouldn't even be recount territory, it was a general election. I take your point, but I mean, if there were warnings about how complicated it was going to be as a process, which there were from some quarters, they were right, weren't they? Uh, no, the, very often those same quarters uh, predicted doom and disaster if the, in, in, immediately following yeah. the country. Oh, no, I, I take that point. For, but for the... example, the Chancellor of the Exchequer uh, said he would have to introduce an emergency budget if he the did. country voted leave. He did. It never happened. No, I, I take that point entirely. But the point I'm getting at is, is those who said it was going to be a simple process, and that was part of the of the way of arguing one particular point of view, haven't they, specifically that group, now been proven to be wrong by the fact that everything's turned out to be so difficult? Well, who's making it difficult? Ah, well, <laughs> well what do you think the answer to that is? I think the, I think the others, I think the pro-Remain side, uh, because of their financial, what they see as their financial vested interest, uh, is making it difficult. Right. Uh, I think people like the CBI, uh, incidentally, they have a track record of getting their predictions wrong. And, and, and I think it's interesting to note the small businesses. Are much, can I give you an example? The other day, we were going up to the rally on last Friday. We were going up to the rally in London. Uh-huh. And early in the morning, we were waiting by the bus stop to, you know, to start our journey with our pro-leave leave EU placards. And a number of vehicles beat and waved their support at us. Mm. And do you know what? Those vehicles were small business people, small builders, small, you know, small maintenance people in their vans driving to work. And it's the self-employed people who so often are forgetting out of the EU. And they are the people who create 
a disproportionately large number of jobs. The other people, I mean, I noticed in your list of those you think might be culpable here, I mean, the Prime Minister might add some members of her own party, uh, the people who won't go with her deal. Well, I'm glad you raised that, Julian. Uh, Mrs May's deal, her proposed deal, that would be worse than staying in the European Union. How so? How could it possibly be worse? Because you'll leave. Well, we'd be taking we'd be taking instruction from the European Union right. uh, without without even the vestige of a, of a say okay. in what goes on. I'm gonna... So the simplest thing would yep. be to leave with no deal and to, and to come under the rules of the World Trade Organization, like so many other countries in the world okay. are. And, Who... and that would we'd be rejoining the world, and that would far and away be the best outcome for the UK. Will I appreciate your call? I wanted to give you a fair crack, just as I did Susan. Some uh, emails and texts. If I was a Leave voter, I'd be annoyed by we Remainers being patronising and saying they didn't understand. Uh, The Brexit deadlock has put paid to the notion that MPs would put country before party affiliation or personal ambition rather than do what is best for the country. They're thinking about their prospects in the next election. I wonder if the next election will be advisory, writes <laughs> John Evans. Uh, we voted to leave the EU. It doesn't matter what you say or think. Leave means leave. If you're not sure, look it up in the dictionary. It doesn't mean remain or half in, half out. It means leave. Philip Youngman's in Wilmslow. Philip, good afternoon. Yeah, good afternoon. Uh, your point here? Yeah, a few points, actually. Um, I mean, first of all, leave does mean leave. If I visited you at your home, had the privilege to do so, I couldn't come to leave you and say, well... Actually, I'm leaving now because it's time for me to go. Could I just stay in your lounge, though, because it's rather comfortable in here and I'd like close alignment to your kitchen? Yeah, but I might invite you back if it was raining outside, Philip. (laughs) Well, yeah, OK, fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) I hope they won't do that. Um, I don't think Tusk should have interfered before Theresa May sent the letter yesterday. I think he should have waited to get a response until we'd sent that. But, I mean, basically... um, A panel of of experts, well, we've got 650 experts in Parliament, supposedly, and they can't come to an agreement. Mm. People don't think they're experts, though, in some cases. Yeah, well, you know, they're they're supposed to be highly trained sort of lawyers and all sorts of people involved in this sort of thing. Just on the the delay point, I mean, you you pointed to Theresa May's letter and what Donald Tusk has said about it and and whether or not the the order was, was as it should be. What about the substance of it, namely the idea of either having a delay that takes us to the end of June, which is the Prime Minister's option, although there would be room, she says, for that to, to kick forward if a deal was done, or what we hear Donald Tusk is saying, namely something that might be as long as a year, but be, to a degree, flexible. Well, I think we should have just left on the 29th of March, but Theresa May did go to um, Europe and propose staying until the t- um, June the 30th, and they said, oh, no, um, we'll give you an extension up to the 22nd of May, yeah. um, because otherwise it will cut... So they rejected initially her proposal to go to the 20th of... 30th, 30th of, June. of June. Well, anyway. that's what's in her letter now. Yeah, well, I mean, she's already proposed that and it was rejected, so I'm not quite sure why she's doing it again. If you had to vote in European elections, or at least had the chance to, how would you feel about that? Well, I I suppose I'd make a vote. I generally do vote, but, I I mean, I think it's um, real nonsense. We should just have have left, basically, because um, it should have been a simple matter. Uh, Leave means leave. We should have left and then... Just what the Leave campaign has said mm. um, is to negotiate a free trade deal. OK, um, thank you, Philip. I'm going to take it on to, to others, um, echoing you. 
Jack Cox writes, no more delays, no more fudge. We just want out all the way. Out. Out in capital letters, I might add. Uh, David says, one of the key arguments in the debate has been the need to, quote, take back control. At the moment, the EU is in complete control of the timing of our exit. Several Brexiteers have said that our present deal is better than anything else on the table. The solution, says David, is clear. Six million people are right. I presume that's a, a reference to the uh, signing of that um, document online at the moment. Article 50 should be revoked now, he says, and only re-triggered under a new leader once Parliament and the country has taken the time to reach a reasoned consensus on how we separate politically from the EU but remain economically close. Rod Dungate's in Birmingham. Rod, good afternoon. Hello. Uh, your point here. Um, yes, I was uh, really interested in Tusk's um, offer of a longer uh, extension, which I think is a very good idea, particularly if it's flexible. But it will require us to take part in the European Parliament election. Mm. Yes, it will. And, and a new... A new scare story has suddenly emerged around this, that if we take part, coming probably from Conservative Central Office, that if we take part in the European Parliament elections, the far right and the far left will suddenly have this great presence. Um, and this is just nonsense, of course, because what that ignores is there, there were over 16 million people voted to remain and in a European Parliament election, they're going to be looking for a party to support that has got a Remain position. Mm. And I have to tell you, I am a pretty old person now, but I have voted in every election since I was 18. Always and the I've same always, way, Rod? Or have you? I've, I was just going to say that I've always voted Labour, right. but in the European Parliament elections... This time round, I'm assuming they're going to happen, I will be looking for a party that has got a Remain position or, at the very least, a confirmatory vote position. With the intention of... With the intention of... I will not vote Labour right. unless they come off the fence. OK, with the that. intention of achieving what in the end? Well, first of all, the, the, achievement, the direct achievement in the European Parliament election would be to elect Remain... MPs. That's where I, that would be the immediate decision on that that vote there, and then also the longer position would be to get the confirmatory vote because I am a passionate Remainer, okay. and we we simply you know there's also the argument oh well we could vote to come in if we didn't like it once we'd come out, and that's just nonsense because we have a very very privileged position in Europe at the moment, which is we're not, we don't have to be a member of the euro, we get big rebates and so on. And the other thing that I really get so annoyed about is this story that Europe dictates to us what we're going to do. That's nonsense. We are part of that decision-making process and we share that sovereignty, sovereignty in order to be part of something that is bigger than ourselves. OK, Rod, I'm going to move it on, but thank you for the call. Dave Marsland in Loughborough. I don't think he's going to agree with Rod, but we'll find out. Dave, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, what I wanted to say was, in my opinion, Theresa May should get Parliament to vote on the withdrawal agreement again. Right. But this time, with a clause that demands an internationally lawful means of exiting the Northern Ireland Protocols arrangements in accordance with the three tests document that the ERG and the DUP drew up with the Attorney General last month. Uh -huh. So by doing that, you get the support of both those groups. And at that point, it's likely that enough rebel Labour MPs would support the deal to get it over the line. Right. And crucially, 
this would put the ball in the EU's court because Parliament would have a majority for something that is entirely possible and entirely reasonable. Wouldn't the EU, though, judging on everything that they have said so far and judging by everything that certainly has emerged from Dublin so far, wouldn't they simply have to say no to that? Well, they wouldn't have to say no. and uh, They'd be likely to say no. Maybe I phrased that badly. They'd be likely to say no. Let's put it that way. They'd be likely to say no, but they'd be saying no on the world stage. Like At the moment, it's Britain that's the laughing stock. It's Britain that won't agree to, to the terms that the European Union has laid out. Yeah. And there is a defence to that, which is that the backstop is potentially forever. There is no way out of it. So it's not totally unreasonable for the British Parliament to reject what the European Union is proposing. But for the European Union to reject what the what Britain would propose, which is, please, can we just have a normal treaty here with, mm. where we can leave if we want to, even if that's with a fairly lengthy notice period, that is reasonable. And I don't think the, the European Union would want to show themselves up on the world stage by what? saying... No, we're not going to agree to that. Well, I suppose by doing that, and it goes back to the question I asked you a moment ago, if you go down that road, presumably you have to be prepared for the fact that they might say no, and that therefore might mean no deal with the consequences that a lot of people warn about. Well, it, it might, but I mean, you, you know, in, in any negotiation, you always have to be prepared to, to walk away from the table. As you know, we've, we've heard all over the media for the, for the last two years. Um, and it, it's a shame, really, that our, our position there is is weakened because just, just the idea of no deal is, is a valuable card, whether or not no deal itself is, is, is a good idea or not. OK, um, thank you very much for the call, Dave. I'm just reading some other comments. Um, Steve Brooks says, in, in answer to the question that was posed right at the start of the programme, is the EU hoping that this Brexit question will go back to the people? He says they may hope that, but Tusk's suggestion is a reasonable and pragmatic way to stop Theresa May uh, bugging the EU every few weeks, asking presumably for further extensions is the implication of that. Um, and Donald Tusk is there, says, Captain Starkiller to represent our interests so long as we remain part of the EU. His job, if we leave, is to have the interests of the rest of the EU at heart. Uh, Wendy Outwinds in Norwich. Wendy, good afternoon. Hello there. Um, I'm a GP in Great Yarmouth where 71% of the population voted leave. Mm. Um, but GPs have received three emails from the government talking about medicine stockpiling, airlifting and the serious shortage medicine protocol. At the time of the referendum, the battle bus went through Yarmouth and uh, said that we would put much more money into the NHS because of Brexit. At the same time, EU staff are leaving, NHS staff are leaving. So it's completely different from what was said before the referendum. Brexit is turning out to be completely different. Where does that that take you then in terms of how you would resolve things? Confirmatory vote. I agree with the previous caller before last about that. And Labour needs to come out clearly for that. A confirmatory vote is needed. And the question is, what should the question be? <laughs> you read my mind. What are you going yes. to put on your ballot okay. paper? For me, it needs to be remain or leave. It's got to be completely simple like that. So you rerun the whole thing with exactly the same wording yes. all over again? Exactly. Ignoring the Prime Minister's deal in the process? Well, leave has got a huge range of options. It's not just the Prime Minister's deal, there's no deal, and there's several in between that have been put forward by the Labour Party. Mm. So... It needs to be simple for the population. We, why, do, why not just have exactly the same question as before? Okay. And this time, when people think to themselves and they put the cross in the leave box, they might think to themselves, well, what, which, what, just like the previous time, they're sort of going a shot in the dark, really. Mm. Um, and I think this time, I don't think leave would win. 
because ah. now we know so much more. Well, you, you say that, but... Are we a, you, you... the final result, OK, whatever? right, so that, that was where I was going to go, because yes. clearly you don't know that Leave aren't going to win. No. Uh, and if they did, you would surely, at that point, have to accept it. Absolutely. I would absolutely accept it the second time because it would be an informed vote. And it would be a legal campaign this yeah. time as well. But what if it was 52-48 remain? You know what's going to happen then, don't you? Well, I don't... I think, I think the... It's highly unlikely to be that this time. Okay. I think the young people will be mobilised this time. People will look and see what is going to happen to the NHS. And the publicity would be out there okay. about the, 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 uh, what, what the situation... That any Brexit deal will damage the NHS... Well, it's one of those it's one of those questions that neither you nor I know the answer to, but it's quite interesting to speculate. I'm just reading some uh, further tweets. Huge constitutional changes require a huge mandate, not what we've got. Writes John, yes, Leave did win the referendum, but no one knows what sort of Leave those voters want, which perhaps ties in with what we've just heard on the phone. Soft Brexit, hard Brexit, no deal, Norway plus, Canada plus. There are so many options, which is why we need a confirmatory vote, writes one other. Contributor George is in Highgate, North London. George, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. I, I think the question has to be May's deal or no deal. We're, we're definitely going to be leaving, and maybe if we're forced to take part in, in the European elections, that could be... Uh, the question could be put within that election... Mm. That's interesting. So you're basically saying, I'm, I'm assuming by, by what you said that you voted to leave. Am I right in, in that? Right. Very right. Yes. OK, fine. So you're, you're basically saying, OK, I can stomach another referendum as long as it only asks for the difference between the prime minister's deal to leave and no deal. Absolutely. So Remain would not appear on your ballot paper. No, I mean, the, the democratic decision of the electorate has to be respected and, and Theresa May wants to d- d- deliver that, uh, res- res- respect that democratic result. And it, it, it really it wasn't as close as it appears to be. If you take it on constituencies, I think about 75% of constituencies voted. You're changing the electoral system, George. <laughs> well, I think everything has to change and everything will change. And I think the future is about direct democracy and an end to the party political system because they clearly don't don't represent their constituents. Well, what happens and, to the party political system after all this will be, I think, uh, fascinating and already some very interesting things are being written on that subject. Just one last before I let you go. This this idea of an extension, can can you live with that if it gets you somewhere you want to be? Um, I, I think it's been tedious enough. I think, I, I, I think it has to be decided okay. very soon. Right. Um, let's get a final call on this before we talk about other matters. Jane Birchall's in uh, Hampshire. Jane, good afternoon. Hello, good afternoon. Um, I propose um, going for a 12-month extension right. and passing legislation through the House of Commons to allow 16- and 17-year-olds the opportunity to vote in a confirmatory vote or another referendum. Why have you, why have you gone down, down the road of, of lowering the voting age for this? Um, so many people comment and say that it's unfair um, not to take into account um, opinions of those who were too young to vote nearly three years ago. Mm. Um, 
And I'm, you're saying this as somebody, I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you voted leave, I think, didn't you, but would now I vote... Did. Right. And if I'm honest, I wished I hadn't. Right. If I'd had the discussion with my son before I voted, I would have voted Remain. OK, well, I'm going to move it on to other matters on the strength of uh, that last comment on Brexit. Jane, thank you for the call. Oh three seven hundred one hundred four four four. but be quick because you've got <laughs> about seven minutes. Uh, let's talk climate change and aviation because the question posed in uh, any questions was about airport expansion. Uh, the reference made to it being proposed in Bristol, which, of course, is where the programme came from and indeed elsewhere, most obviously Heathrow. What are your views given the need to reduce carbon emissions by at the latest 2030, uh, a reference to what the Intergovernmental uh, Panel on Climate Change has said in recent months. Wendy Smith is in Sutton Coldfield. Wendy, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. Um, I'd, I'd like to answer um, the, um, the Green MP suggestion Caroline Lucas. that yep. we should only be able to fly once every five years, which I believe is absolutely preposterous. Well, she suggested you fly... Minimally, but if you if you fly more than that, you pay a lot more. But the thing is, the thing is, uh, my carbon footprint is very low. Um, I've never learned to drive. I don't. I've never owned a car, and um, I don't go on holidays abroad. But my eldest son lives in Rome, so um, in order for me to get to Rome, I'd need to fly. So um, if I only flew once every five years, and they only flew once every five years, we, he lives with his Italian wife and their two children there, and he's a material scientist. So he has to fly abroad all the time. Mm. Um, otherwise, he'd lose his livelihood. But as a family, we do practice the art of compensation. So, for example, my younger son, um, who lives in England, my younger son, he cycles to work, and he cycles to work and back. And my daughter, when she goes to see my, the, my son that lives in Rome, they, they, they get the train usually. Wendy, hold on a moment, because I'm keen to bring another voice in on this, and Jane Begley in Exeter is listening to you. Um, Jane, on the strength of what you've heard from Wendy, I wonder what your thoughts are. I mean, I think she raises some interesting points, and I think it's um, it, the, the idea that other people in her family kind of try to reduce their carbon footprint um, to take into account the fact she's got a son who seems to rely on flying. I mean, I, what, what I felt about the, um, the, the comments on the, on the panel was that, you know, it's very rich of quasi quatin to um, describe um, Caroline Lucas's comments as unrealistic. Mm. I mean, that's ridiculous. The, the realism on that panel came from Caroline Lucas and from Barry Gardner, because anybody who says that concerns about climate change are unrealistic are sticking their fingers in their, their ears and singing, you know, our generation, I'm, I'm 56, um, you know, everything's become far too convenient for us. Um, you know, driving a car, we've had all our lives with access to cars. As we reached adulthood, you know, there was access to cheap flights. And, and this is completely wrong. Right, we, must, but I suppose we, should be, we should be taxing people. No, I get that. But the, the and, point... But the... we should ring-fence the money from those taxes so to be reinvested into a fully subsidised public transport. Right, system. but the point surely about real, realism or, or not is whether or not, in the time allowed, you can realistically persuade people to change their behaviour on the scale that Caroline Lucas alluded to. Well, I think that's what we need to do with great urgency. Oh, sure. Well, that may be true, but it's about how you do it. Well, I, I, think, I think her idea about taxing is a really good okay. one. All right. Because Wendy Smith, come back on what you've heard from Jane for a moment. 
and I agree. I absolutely agree. And I, and I do. I do care about the planet. But there are other things. It, it's not just the flying. For example, people um, that live around me, they're doing the school run and they're taking their cars out for less than a mile. Yeah. So you can see other other people who should be more responsible. To actually walk the children to school or form a school bus, you know, when they all walk together with one adult and walk home safely again. Um, There are many ways, there are many different ways, but I, I really don't think that... You know, just the flying thing is the only thing. There are many different um, sort of angles sure. that this could be addressed. OK, I'm going to move it on because lots of people have suddenly come on the phone in a hurry to talk about this. Uh, thank you, Wendy. Thank you, Jane. Um, some tweets. The solution may be for more efficient aircraft. Says John, reducing use of air travel is not difficult. Says Matthew, I always holiday by train and or boat and in recent years have been to Trondheim, to Barcelona, St Petersburg, Marrakesh. Not difficult, he says. Nice holidays too. John Nolan in the Forest of Dean. Good afternoon. Hello there. Yeah, your point here. Uh, well, uh, people keep on talking about um, expansion and growth. Mm. But we happen to live in a finite world, and I've never heard yet of somebody who can put in two litres into a litre pot. It's impossible. Right. I personally think we should have an energy allowance. Um, it wouldn't come in immediately. It takes time to do these things. We have all the technology to do it. Whenever we buy anything, it has an energy input which produces carbon gases and all the other things. We have all the technology. It's a lack of will. So the energy allowance would be at what? Attached to each individual's activities? Uh, the energy, you start off, whenever you get a receipt for something, mm. um, for anything you buy, it would print out the energy, your energy allowance and the amount of energy you've used so far. Right. Anything, it can easily be done with our technology. It's a, it's a question of political will. Okay. Sadly, our politicians do not have that political will. They're not trying to educate us at all. It should be a cross-party thing. We cannot go on expanding. Into, I mean, I'm an engineer and quite a highly qualified one, actually. And I believe the Mozambique storm probably occurred because of warming of the oceans. They've never had a storm like that before. John, I'm going to say thank you and move it on because I've got a minute of the programme left or a bit less. And Julia Richardson in Swansea, if you can squeeze your thoughts into half a minute, that would be great. Yes, the planet's burning. The heads of industry that were talking on the panel, all they're thinking about is profit. They're not interested in changing. All they're interested in is making money. They don't care that the planet's burning. They could use Skype for business people instead of aeroplanes, but they won't do it because they won't, they've got their eyes on the money. The people who are in charge are not fit to rule. All they're thinking about is money. I've just been on a demonstration about Extinction Rebellion. Young people, their future is being destroyed. And the heads of industry and the politicians, Theresa May and people like her, all they're thinking about money. Okay. Is the planet's being destroyed. People in Mozambique are drowning. Where next? Your 30 seconds. Your 30 seconds is up, Julia, but thank you very much for the call. Uh, That is all we have time for today. Uh, Thank you very much, all of you, for getting in touch. Don't forget any questions next week in Stamford in Lincolnshire. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday afternoon. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Any Answers. Don't forget, if you want to hear any questions or you'd like to invite the programme to your venue, then please go to the BBC Radio 4 website and search for any questions. I'm Julian Warwicker. Thank you for listening.